And what's happening, everybody? Welcome on in to an, another edition of the Check Your Brain podcast here on this Wednesday, which is uh, April 26th. Hi, everybody. My name is Tony Mazur. Thank you for stumbling upon this podcast wherever you are listening to this. I'm putting this out for free because uh, I, I have guests in the backlog right now I could play, but I figured this is kind of an important topic to discuss this week. So uh, I'm going to do a solo podcast today. And usually I do a lot of solo stuff on my Patreon. If you want to subscribe there at patreon.com slash Tony Mazer. I have a $3 tier, a $5 tier, and a $10 tier. $3 gets you audio-only podcasts. $5 gets you audio and video. And $10 gives you all of the above as well as extra content. So if you want to go to patreon.com slash Tony Mazer or find me on Locals, find Check Your Brain, which is the Check Your Brain podcast over on Locals, and you'll see my content over there. Yes, indeed. And if you're listening to this for free on the podcast platforms, hit subscribe. It comes out every Wednesday, except for last week. I was out of town and uh, didn't have fresh content for you. So I decided to put one out on Friday. So today's Wednesday. I'm putting this out every Wednesday, a free podcast for you. And if you want more, like I said, on Patreon, uncensored stuff, I uh, let the words fly a couple of times. Go there and go check that out at patreon.com slash Tony Mazer. Boy, what a week we've had. As far as the media landscape goes, and I know uh, I discussed this on my podcast on Monday about the Tucker Carlson ousting over at Fox News, which was shocking to everybody. And what we've now found shocking to even Tucker Carlson, that this wasn't a coordinated effort, that there wasn't a plan for this that he knew on Friday was going to be his last show. In fact, I believe the last segment he did on Tucker Carlson tonight was he had a pizza guy on. And they were eating pizza to end the show. And he said, we'll be back with you Monday. Well, they weren't back with you Monday. And as somebody who has been fired from jobs in media before, you don't get your last opportunity. Not many people have the opportunity to go up there and say, hi, this is my last show. I'm getting fired today. So thank you. Good night, everybody. Or <laughs> whatever the case. I'll see you around. Come check me out on my next venture. No, they'll be like, no, you're done now. You're done now. Pack your stuff. We've got your cardboard. We've got your box. Put your little potted plant in there and your cords for various outdated electric electronics and put them put them away and and uh you know goodbye see you later. I try not to curse too much on these podcasts, so the free podcasts I used to, and I'm like I I I got people co complaining. A couple of people are like you know I like your podcast, but do, do you have to use the f word so much? I'm like I listen to a lot of podcasts who use the f word every other word. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, when I curse, I do it as an emphasis. It's like a postscript. It's, uh, if I'm cursing, it means I'm really upset by something or I've really passionate about it. So I'm going to try not to curse, but I'm still going to be pretty passionate in this podcast. So, uh, for folks who don't know, if you've been living under a rock the last couple of days, Fox news has uh, decided on uh, Monday morning this past week that uh, Tucker's got to go. Now, why does he have to go? There's a lot of rumors. There's a lot of speculation as to why. Um, one of the things that we've been hearing that I guess in a way is credible, I'd say somewhat credible, is the Dominion lawsuit and saying that Tucker Carlson was putting forth uh, election misinformation and that the voting booths were hacked and everything. Tucker didn't really do that. They would have guests on. They would have guests on like Sidney Powell, who was talking about the, you know, release the Kraken or Mike Lindell. And I I think the, the voting machines and I, I will prove it. OK, well, go ahead and prove it. A lot of a lot of people were specul speculating on what the Kraken was and what Sidney Powell. They haven't brought forth anything. And at some point, you just pull out the Judge Smales gif of, well, we're waiting no, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for, I mean, I'm not saying that there wasn't shenanigans going on, but if you have the smoking gun, you, you got to release it a little bit, right? It's been two, almost two and a half years since that election. <laughs> At some point, we got to start to hear a little bit more from you. Um, so, but some were saying that, that Tucker was kind of a sacrificial lamb during the Dominion lawsuit where Fox News had to shell out what 750 million dollars to dominion uh so they think that the, he was kind of one of the people who are like all right well 
part of the stipulation of this is that uh, your host got to go. Well, they're not getting rid of Hannity and they're not getting rid of Greg Gutfeld, who basically is now the Tucker of the network. He's holding that network up. It's certainly not Sean Hannity. It's not Laura Ingram. It's not Harris Faulkner. It's not Brian Kilmeade. It's not Steve Ducey. It's not any of these people. It was Tucker was the only reason a lot of people on the conservative right would tune into Fox News anymore. Now, Here's the misnomer. I've noticed this in the past. They say, well, really, how good was that? How high were Tucker's ratings when you compare them to Bill O'Reilly's? Now, understand, Bill O'Reilly was around in the pre-Trump days. And O'Reilly for conservatives was very was conservative, but was required viewing. And then you'd have Hannity and Combs. And then Hannity had his own show after that, which he still has. And then that got moved to 10 o'clock. The at the time. When you didn't have the explosion of podcasts, when you didn't have the explosion of YouTube and um, other forms of uh, alternate media, Fox News for conservatives was your only safe haven because you knew that MSNBC, CNN, ABC News, NBC News, CBS News, Wall Street, or, you know, uh, Washington Post, New York Times, all these were left wing outlets. We had known that for a long time. So if you're a Republican, you may not have exactly enjoyed the hosts or some of the things that were being discussed on Fox News. But you did know that if you were turning the TV on, you knew Channel 38 was going to be there. And here's Fox News. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not the biggest Hannity fan, but it's better than the alternative. Well, now the alternatives are better than Fox News. So many people on the right and this was weird. I, and I mentioned this. I don't want to rehash a lot of the stuff I had on Monday's podcast, but it is an interesting Rorschach test. People on the left are celebrating this, that Tucker's out, yay, you know, ding dong, the witch is dead. But conservatives are also saying, yeah, no, this is a good thing. Now I don't have to watch Fox News anymore. And when I brought up the point about, well, O'Reilly's ratings were here and Tucker's were here. Well, yeah, a lot of people abandoned Fox News for a while, especially when Trump became president or when he was running and there was a whole spat with Megyn Kelly and uh, some of the more establishment Republicans were not fans of one Donald J. Trump. And many of those went elsewhere. They went to Newsmax. They went to One American News. They uh, they started listening to podcasts like uh, Daily Wire, but Dan Bongino or a couple of others. It's a, a much different landscape, and we're not going to achieve those ratings like we used to anymore. It's kind of like when they, if you have a, season, a series finale right now, so Succession. Very popular show on HBO right now. In its final season, I think in about a month, I think they're having their <clears throat> series finale. Yes, it's HBO, but yes, it's also a popular show. Are the ratings for the series finale going to match, oh, I don't know, Roots, MASH, Seinfeld? No, because there are more options nowadays, and that's the same thing now. So Tucker's, uh, Tucker would get a lot of people watching his show that aren't watching Fox News. It's somebody like uh, the Columbia Bugle and others are clipping Tucker's mo opening monologue and that they will go, like, wow, this is great. And they don't have to actually watch the show. That's TV now. It's, a, it's not appointment viewing anymore. That's just how things have changed. So what are the other factors as to why Tucker would be out the door? Seems he had very popular. What did he do? Uh, Rolling Stone reported that if... Tucker is to go on some kind of crusade, some media crusade, and start ripping on Fox News. They said that they have an oppo file, an oppo file of complaints or whatever against Tucker Carlson. Now, I don't know what those include. Do they include sexual harassment? Did he make jokes around the workplace that are a little uncouth? Or did he uh, or did he um, I, I don't know. Was he just saying things that just went against the norms that happen over Fox News? Well, I don't know. Well, here's another one that came out today that I thought was kind of fascinating. Um, I'm going to share the screen here. If you're watching on video on Rumble, check it out. How about this one? Fox Corp chair Rupert Murdoch reportedly removed Tucker Carlson from the air over religious remarks the host made during a speech on Friday night. That stuff freaks Rupert out. He doesn't like all the spiritual talk, a source tells uh, Gabriel Sherman. This is from Vanity Fair. Now, what was it? He was at a, a speech last week, last Friday, at the Heritage Foundation, and he said something like this. 
And two, maybe we should all take just like 10 minutes a day to say a prayer about it. I'm serious. Like, why not? And I'm saying that to you, not as some kind of evangelist. I'm literally saying that to you as an Episcopalian, the Samaritans of our time. I'm coming to you from the most humble and lowly theological position you can. I'm literally an Episcopalian, okay? And even I have concluded it might be worth taking just 10 minutes out of your busy schedule to say a prayer for the future. And I hope you will. Really? Hmm. Kind of interesting. Was that so bad, to be honest? So all this spiritual talk, which is all the Jesus talk, how dare you? You can't talk about Jesus like that. And I've noticed that in the time on Fox News. I don't watch, I haven't watched Fox News. Like I haven't turned on my TV and said, holy crap, I'm missing such and such show. Probably in about eight years. Probably when Trump was running the first time, where my roommate at the time will remain nameless, just because I don't want him involved in this stuff, but he's a public figure. Um, we would watch Han Hannity a little bit, but mainly Bill O'Reilly. And we would watch to hear what was going on. And you were seeing this cultural shift that was happening between like intra-party stuff and Republicans, Democrats, and how things, how the reaction to Donald Trump was at the time. That was the last time I willingly was turning on Fox News. And I think for a lot of people, that was the way other than watching Tucker Carlson. But I've noticed they've gotten away from the uh, God, faith and reason type of broadcast that you were hearing on the network. It wasn't as much Jesus stuff. And apparently, if that's that report is true from Vanity Fair, that all the Jesus stuff is freaking out Rupert. He doesn't like when people go on his network and say, hey, everybody, we should pray. Now, he's not going up there and says that you're going to hell if you're an atheist or, or you're going to hell if you're Jewish or any other religion besides any form of Christianity. He's not saying that. He just said to pray. Is that a bad thing? Jews pray. Muslims pray. Christians pray. Even atheists, they may not admit it, but they'll, they'll pray to some certain god of theirs. That they're secular gods, whether it's Dr. Fauci or the science or whatever the case is. They have their people that they pray to. It's just not to a god or an organized religion. So everybody prays. Is that a bad thing? Is that a bad thing for an Episcopalian like Tucker Carlson to go up at a speech at the Heritage Foundation to say, hey, it's probably a good idea to pray. Just pray. Maybe take 10 minutes of your day. Like, turn your phone off, turn the TV off, turn the computer off, and just talk to God. You're not just atoning for your sins. You just talk to God. Is that a bad thing? Apparently it is. Apparently in our secular culture in 2023, that even Fox News's head, Rupert Murdoch, is like, yeah, no, 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 no. Stop with the Jesus stuff. We don't like the Jesus stuff. That freaks him out. Rupert's in his 90s. Who gives it? Who, who cares? <laughs> Gonna curse there. I'm sure, I'm sure his kid, who's also all, uh, changing the network a lot too, is probably not a big fan of it either. That was crazy. Uh, so what's gonna happen here? Well, first, I want to play a little. I want to play two clips. One of them I did play on Monday's show, and then there's an update to with the second clip. So, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, because there's a lot of people who are very happy that Tucker is gone, and uh, the View, the ladies on the View, and the audience, they all did the wave, and they were all so happy and chanting. Now, when they mentioned Don Lemon was out the door at CNN, it was a little bit more somber. It's like I know Don Lemon, and you, sir, are no Don Lemon. They they were. It was so funny what they did with uh, with covering Don Lemon. They're like, look, you know, he, there's there were complaints, but, you know, he's, he's not a bad guy. You know, he's going to get on his feet. But then Tucker, it's like it really was a, a standing ovation, a raucous roaring applause, r rattling the, the rafters. And I, I don't know. It's just amazing. But it was kind of funny how you talk about the different ways that Tucker was shown the door. And this came out over the weekend. So Jen Psaki, apparently she was the White House press secretary before Corinne Jean-Pierre, the affirmative action press secretary that's in there now. Jen Psaki, the, the redhead who said she's got to circle back. Like, I don't have the answer to this. I got to circle back. She uh, now has her own show on MSNBC, which it's kind of odd how quickly that went from being that she already had networks that were lining up as she still has a job with the White House. Almost seems like being a corporate 
press reporter or host and the White House press secretary is a lateral move. Almost seems hmm, kind of kind of odd, right? Isn't it odd that uh, the White House press secretary has offers lined up after that? Almost seems like it's a little bit of like a, a, a collusion that's going on. A little bit of kind of kind of interesting. So she has her own show that nobody watches other than people like Tom Elliott at Gravian, where they could clip it and show how cringe they are. She was talking the other day to John Kerry, of course, our climate czar, who is uh, and they're they're eating ice cream and they're walking around the reflection pool. And John Kerry's like, I when I walk around the reflecting pool, it reminds me of Forrest Gump. And the forest jumped in there and Jenny was in it. Oh, shut up. So again, it's all puff, puff pieces for the, the, the press. And the press is the corporate propaganda wing of the DNC, of the deep state. Well, Jen Psaki also had an interview with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. So this was just over the weekend before Tucker was let go, unless she had some intel, some inside information. But ch- check this clip out federal regulation in terms of what's allowed on air and what isn't. And when you look at what Tucker Carlson and some of these other folks on Fox do, it is very, very clearly incitement of violence, very clearly incitement of violence. And that is the line that I think we have to uh, be willing to contend with. Okay, so this was her again over the weekend, AOC with Jen Psaki. And AOC is calling for because they're calling for censorship, calling for you need to be taken off the air because you are inciting violence. It's the same thing as the Alex Jones thing. What what they're doing is if we say that we're being harassed, we're being you're inciting violence. Therefore, you should be taken off the air. So if you got a a threat by somebody on Twitter that says, hey, uh, you know, sleep with one eye open. And you look and the person is a Tucker Carlson fan. Well, then that means Tucker was the one who is inside. I mean, it, it's a ridiculous point. It's a ridiculous point. We all know that. But the and, and we're all about I mean, there's there's a lot of forms in this country of censorship of people who want censorship. Uh, conservatives, uh, Republicans for a long time did. And in a way, they still do when it comes to book bans. But I think those are a little bit more justified than wanting to take all of your political. This, this is what it is, is you're taking your political enemies off the air and deplatforming them. That deplatforming works is what she believes. Now, she came back and said that, oh, gee, deplatforming works. So here she is on Instagram the other day. Tucker Carlson is out at Fox News. Couldn't have happened to a better guy. Um, What I will say, though, is while I'm very glad that the person that was arguably responsible for the some of the largest driving some of the most uh, amounts of death threats and violent threats, not just to my office, but to plenty of people across the country, um, I also kind of feel like. I'm like waiting for the cutscene at the end of a Marvel movie after all the credits have rolled. And then you see like the villain's like hand reemerge out to grip, grip over like the end of a building or something. But deplatforming works and it is important. And um, there you go. Deplatforming works. Okay, so so she's what what is she? Thirty three now, thirty two, thirty three years old. So she's a a millennial, and I guess an older millennial. No, maybe a younger. I don't know. If you're born nineteen ninety, I think you're now getting to the point of being an, uh, a younger millennial. She says deplatforming works, and what which deplatforming is censorship is what they did back five years ago when they started going on this crusade before the two thousand eighteen midterms of. Oh, you're somebody who is uh, sympathetic towards Alex Jones. Well, Alex Jones has got to go. And by proxy, you have to go. And Gavin McInnes and Laura Loomer and Milo and everybody else. They start just knocking off people one by one by one on Twitter. Oh, you're associated with this. And it's not even just that. It was, we're going to take you off. And we're not taking off Twitter. We're taking off Facebook too and Instagram and PayPal and Venmo and Airbnb and Uber and Lyft. So we have debanked you, we've deplatformed you, and you can't do anything about it. 
ultimately that's the that's the goal right now is when it comes to a lot of these figures is that they would ideally love to have I, I don't know what the goal is. I mean, is the goal that you are unpersoned where if you ever committed suicide that they're just gonna urinate on your grave? Or is it they love the fact that you have no voice? Now, what she's talking about at the end of this by saying she's very happy that Tucker's gone from Fox News, but he's not going anywhere. That it's like the end of a Marvel movie, which get new references, you dopes. I'm so tired of millennials, people my age and younger that go, boy, this kind of like the Handmaid's Tale. Boy, this reminds me of a Marvel movie. You know, in Harry Potter, you have three references. Superhero movies, Star Wars movies, and books for teenagers like Harry Potter or The Handmaid's Tale. You have three references. How about you read another book, you dope? How about you watch another movie? Have you ever watched a movie that didn't end with some person putting on a superhero costume? It's like a Marvel movie with a hand that comes up that's like, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, you know why? Because Tucker Carlson is not going anywhere. You're going to see Tucker. Tucker's going to be back. He's going to be around. And he's going to he's going to be victorious somewhere else. So you may think that this is the funny thing. You may think this is a win that Tucker's not on Fox News anymore because now your boomer uh, parents are going to have, have to find something else to watch. They're still probably going to watch Fox News. There's going to be a lot of people that will abandon it completely now. And they'll go to Newsmax or they'll watch something else or listen to something else. There are. But Fox News is not going anywhere. They're still going. Whoever they're going to put at eight o'clock in the interim is still going to beat CNN and MSNBC in that slot. They could put me up there. Nobody knows who I am. They could put me on Fox News hosting an eight o'clock show. And they won't know it. I'll still beat everybody in the ratings. You could put anywhere. You could put uh, you could put a farting cow. A farting cow from 8 till 8.59 on Fox News, and it will beat MSNBC and CNN. No problem. It will still get a million people watching that. Heck, I'd watch it. I might actually watch that more than Sean Hannity. In fact, I thought the farting cow was actually at 10 o'clock on Fox News. Uh, Tucker's not going anywhere. And what it goes to prove is that it's an ever-changing media landscape that Luckily, and this is where the topic of cancel culture that I have discussed in the past many times is the the good thing about it nowadays, because we talked about all the bad things about being canceled. And when I brought up on last week's podcast of somebody saying that about cancel culture works, you'll go, what you're talking, they're like, well, there is no such thing as cancel culture, but there should be. It's that it's not happening, but if it is, it's a good thing. Cancel culture works, but cancel culture isn't a thing. It's accountability culture. You're saying, no, it's what you're doing is you're riling up mobs to get people to censor and boycott. Uh, and, and and it's not even just a boycott. Like, if you don't like Bud Light, you just be like, yeah, I'm not going to drink Bud Light. And a lot of us are just not going to drink Bud Light. Others, it's you are pressuring a, a company and threatening them that if they don't do this, then we will murder people. We will do whatever you will incite is what happens. So it turns into extortion. There's a difference between boycotts and extortion. Uh, but the good thing about nowadays is that as opposed to where we were 30, 30, some 40 years ago, if you said something that was way over the line, even then you weren't heard from again. Where when Al Campanis is on the I've talked about this story many times, but if you want to go check it out on YouTube, Al Campanis goes on Nightline with Ted Koppel and basically says it was on Jackie Robinson Day and was saying that there's a reason why there's no black managers because they're not intelligent enough to be managers. It's something along those lines. And Ted Koppel, who was just, you could see Ted Koppel like going like, I got gold here. Oh boy. We're ready. Let's dig in right now. He's like, well, you know, uh, where are you, are you really saying like, you can't honestly believe that. And then of course you have Jimmy the Greek who was drunk at a dinner that talks about how the black is the better athlete because uh, they were bred to be, and they have that extra bone in there, the ankle and the tendon and, then he gets is gone. Did you ever hear from Al Campanis or Jimmy the Greek? They lived about 10 more years, never heard from him again. Nowadays, if you do something or say something that's eh, could be considered over the line, whether uh, racially insensitive or just racist, there or you could be a, a prominent celebrity or whatever that does something, there is some way of making a comeback. Um, 
so at least when somebody goes away from one platform, they will reemerge somewhere. May not have the same viewers, but a little bit more of a dedicated, it may be a smaller audience, but a more dedicated audience. So wherever Tucker goes, he will be very successful and people will be able to check that out. Uh, speaking of things going on this week and big news, this one kind of took not even just a backseat. This was put in the trunk as far as news goes. Joe Biden has decided to run for president again for reelection. Here's his campaign ad, which is just. I mean, first of all, you got to listen to his voice in this. It's he's an old man and they've had to I, they must have sat him down because it's a video. He didn't go out and do anything live. He didn't do a live appearance or a rally. He's doing a pre-taped video where he's doing some voiceover stuff. And I guarantee you that poor production guy had to be sitting in there for hours trying to cut this up to make it sound halfway decent. Not as bad as the guy who was cutting the John Fetterman ads, but, you know, take what you you can get. So Joe Biden decided this week uh, now, as opposed to waiting towards the fall or anything, and there's a reason for it, but I'll get to that after I play this video. So here he is announcing his reelection bid for 2024. Freedom, personal freedom is fundamental to who we are as Americans. There's nothing more important, nothing more sacred. That's been the work of my first term, to fight for our democracy. This shouldn't be red or blue issue. Protect our rights to make sure that everyone in this country is treated equally and that everyone is given a fair shot at making it. But you know, around the country, MAGA extremists are lining up to take on those bedrock freedoms, cutting Social Security that you paid for your entire life while cutting taxes for the very wealthy, dictating what health care decisions women can make, banning books and telling people who they can love. Uh, it, uh, OK, let's stop there, because this is, of course, this is mainstream Democrat talking points now that Republicans are trying to ban books. No, they're not banning books. Children should not be reading anything about oral and anal sex in schools, like kids, in school libraries that are sanctioned by the schools and the librarians. This should not be a thing. This should not be controversial. Banning books. It's not like, here's a book about Jackie Robinson. And it's like, no, Jackie Robinson's black and we will have absolutely no black readers. No, it's not. It's not happening. Kids are in school in Florida. It doesn't matter where you're at. Florida, anywhere. They're learning about slavery. They are learning about that. It's not like, yeah, we're just going to skip over that part. We're going to go from like the, the the Revolutionary War and fighting that. And we're just going to skip ahead a little bit. We're going to skip. The, you know what? Just skip the 1800s. Just all together, like all, from Thomas Jefferson all the way till uh, World War One. We're just going to skip that whole period. Now, we're going to go from Thomas Jefferson to uh, Alexander Graham Bell. How's that sound? We're gonna, there's that little period. We're just going to just snip out that 1861 to 1865. It doesn't exist. No, that doesn't happen. That's ridiculous. No one's doing that. Uh, they aren't banning books. Like they're, they're ban- I w- Actually, I want to see what books they show when they say they're banning books here. It, I, okay, I, I don't know any of these books, to be honest, here. The in- Invisible Man, Kite Runner, First to Die at the End. I... I Oh, a Toni Morrison. I know Toni Morrison, but it's like they're not really banning these. These are just what they're banning are are when they're books that have graphic descriptions of uh, oral pleasure and and putting forth a lot of books that are just not uh, not appropriate for children to be reading. So and that turns into these are banned books. Telling people who they can and cannot love, that's that's not the case. Nobody cares about that anymore. What we're saying is, hey, guys, probably not a good idea to have drag queens who are large, usually gay men wearing outrageous makeup and dancing sexually and inappropriately in front of children. Probably not a good idea. And they say, well, drag isn't drag is art. Drag isn't sexual. No, drag is sexual and it is art. Yes, I will admit it is. It's a low form of art. It's like it's like drawing a comic strip drag. I would say if you're going to look at high art, you think of opera, you think of uh, like a watercolor or something like that along those lines. As far as art, low forms of art are drag and family circus. 
Like Dragon Marmaduke are about like right there towards the bottom as far as great art forms because they're not great art forms. That Bill Keen has been drawing the same family circus for 70 years. Drag is not, it's, it's not that interesting. It's really, oh, you do the splits. Well, you know who did the splits? I remember Paul Sorrento did the splits for at first base for the Cleveland Indians in the 90s. Yeah, uh, not that not that impressive. Oh, you're flexible? That's not an art form. Anyways, telling people what they can love. To, uh, abortion, restricting women's rights. Yeah, we're still doing this. Yeah, whatever. Let's continue here. Books and telling people who they can love, all while making it more difficult for you to be able to vote. It's not Jim Crow, it's Jim Eagle. So he when I ran for president four years ago, I said we're in a battle for the soul of America, and we still are. How is that soul, by the way? How is that soul going? What have you done to repair the soul in the last two and a half, almost three years now? What have you done other than othering people by telling people you can't work unless you take this experimental drug in your arm? You can't work. You can't do this. You can't do that. You're oh and oh and you uh you voted for this person well then your taxes are gonna go up it, it uh, you have done nothing this has been such a, a divisive president you say well Trump was divisive yeah because he was always divisive we've known Trump has been a divisive individual for forty years Joe Biden was supposed to be the kindly old grandpa who comes on board and says hey everybody to sit on my lap I sniff you and tell you a story hey everybody I'm repairing the soul. You know, we got to get back to normal. Has it been normal? Has this been normal the last couple of years? Has it been normal for anyone? <laughs> the question we're facing is whether in the years ahead, we have more freedom or less freedom, more rights or fewer. I know what I want the answer to be, and I think you do too. This is not a time to be complacent. That's why I'm running for re-election. Wait, wait, that's why I'm re-election. Look at this picture of this. If you're listening on the audio right now, he's got liver spots. Whatever hair follicles that he still has are just barely hanging on. He's got the squinty butthole eyes. I mean, does that, honestly, you look at this old man who's 80 right now, which means he will be, what, almost 82 when he takes office. He'll be 81 this year. So he'll be 82 in 2024. Which means if he runs and he wins, which and we'll get to that in a little bit as far as the polls go, Joe Biden is going to be 86 years old by the time he would leave office. Does that instill any confidence in our future? When, when Bill Clinton was elected back in 92, Bill Clinton was our first baby boomer president, born in, I think, 1946. Then George W. Bush becomes president in 2000, born, I believe, also in 1946. Then Barack Obama, born in 1961, where he's a very young baby boomer, but 1961 are boomers. So, okay, yeah, he's barely on the cusp, but Obama was a boomer. So you've had three boomers. Then Donald Trump becomes president, born in 46, 47, I believe, boomer. Instead of going like, huh, let's see, the oldest of Gen Xers are about almost 60 right now. We should probably look in that direction. No, we went to Joe Biden, who's older than a boomer. Joe Biden is not a boomer. Joe Biden is older than a boomer. Joe Biden was born in World War War, World War II. Well, I was going to say World War One. He looks like he was born during World War One. World War II was not even a, in, in our efforts in World War II in, for the United States. We're not even a year old by the time he was born. He was, I think, he was, uh, I think Pearl Harbor, the attack on Pearl Harbor occurred less than a year before Joe Biden was born. Is that what you want? Do you want to send grandpa back to the factory? You remember when you used to send when grandpa retired? My grandfather, by the way, who's, uh, I mean, he's my grandfather, but he's, he's been in my life my whole life, but he's not my actual you know, re real grandfather. Uh, both of mine had passed years before. Um, but my grandfather was born in 1938. I remember when we had a little retirement thing for him in 2001. 1938 is four years older than Joe Biden. 1938. So he retired in 2001. 
And he hasn't worked since then. He, he does stuff around the house. He does some odd jobs, whatever. W- what he was doing when his health was a little better. You don't send, I, I wouldn't have sent my grandfather back to the factory at that time. That's what you've done. What he should be doing, what Joe Biden should be doing is what also what John Fetterman should be doing is having a warm blanket and sitting on an easy chair, watching episodes of Mayberry RFD, have a glass of country time lemonade, and look at the gold watch every so often just to see if uh, uh, the Andy Griffith show is actually going to be on after Mayberry RFD. You get to see Floyd the Barber. Floyd the Barber who also had a stroke. So, you know, if you want to put that together <laughs> with John Fetterman. Anyways, let's play the rest of this this absolutely inspiring ad from our 46th president of the United States. For re-election. Because I know America. I know we're good and decent people. You know, America, when was the last time you were in East Palestine? Ohio? Have you ever been to East Palestine? Oh, you're not going to East Palestine, Ohio. There was a major train derailment that occurred nearly three months ago. And your press secretary got humiliated. I mean, not the press. Well, the press secretary did. The transportation secretary was humiliated into going because Donald Trump went before him. But you haven't gone. You have no plans of going. You went over to Ukraine. You're gallivanting all over the country, all over the world, having to be shot up with B-12 or God only knows what mixture of some cocaine and meth in order for him to do a speech. I mean, he's an old 80 years old. But again, he, I know America. So I was uh, Scranton Joe. Scranton Joe. And I moved to Wilmington. I'm Delaware Joe. And I take the Amtrak. Good for you. That doesn't mean you should be president. I know we're still a country that believes in honesty and respect and treating each other with dignity. That we're a nation where we give hate no safe harbor. We believe that everyone is equal, that everyone should be given a fair shot to succeed in this country. Thank you for choosing Thank us. You. Look at, look at all these black people around here. Look, I, look at me. I'm a, I'm woke. I'm Joe Biden. I'm woke. Give me a black woman as my vice president. Give me a black woman on the Supreme Court. That's what I want. What about qualifications, Joe? You're a black woman. Every generation of Americans has faced a moment when they have to defend democracy. Stand up for our personal freedom. Stand up for the right to vote and our civil rights. And this is our moment. Sounds like uh, Eminem. So if you're with me, go to Joe Biden not coming let's finish this job i know we can because this is the united states of america there's nothing simply nothing we cannot do if we put together let's finish the job finish what job joe finish the job what job are we talking about because what did he he, he wants to talk about you know i'm still gonna bring this all together Really, you opened your ad playing January 6th stuff. That immediately is divisive. Wait, wait a second. Almost like that tactic worked before. Oh, that's right, because his initial presidential bid in 2019 showed things of Charlottesville. So the whole thing, your entire basis of your campaign is divisiveness and that you're the one who's going to bring everybody together. You're the one who's going to be like, hey, you know, I'm like your grandpa. Yeah, I just want you to sit on my lap and talk about something that pops up right now. It's like, are you kidding me? Well, that was inspiring, wasn't it? Finish, finish the job. What job? What job are you talking about? Leaving Americans in Afghanistan, fending for their lives, or in Sudan, or, um, or, or, or telling people that uh, they're not essential workers, that you need to get this jab in your arm in order for you to keep a job and you know, keep a roof over your head. Uh, or or it, it's, it's unbelievable. We have to pretend that this is okay. But I'm not the only one who is saying this and spotting off on it. There's a lot of New Yorkers who aren't very happy about it either. Go check this out. This is, <laughs> this is from Newsmax. Benny Johnson interviewed a bunch of, bunch of Staten Island bros. 
bunch of New Yorkers. They wanted to tell you how they feel about Joe Biden. This job, I mean, what, what job has he even started? What? You got to start a job before you finish it. I don't really know what job he started. I don't think he knows what he's saying half the time. What would be a good campaign slogan for Joe Biden? I'm a, I quit. There you go. I have to go when I like that. What would America look like if he does finish the job? I see world war with China. Maybe turn the rest of America woke. Probably going to get our hands in Ukraine. In his campaign video, Joe Biden shows a stack of books that he says have been banned by, quote, MAGA extremists. Banning books. One of those books is called Lawn Boy. And in that book, describes a scenario of two 10-year-old boys giving each other oral sex. You're calling people extremists who just don't want children to have access to books like that. What they're actually doing is grooming people. What do you think America looks like if he finishes the job? America doesn't look good. In New York, for news. There's a job. We're gonna ban, people are banning books. Is it, I love the banning books thing because didn't I just play earlier that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was in favor of deplatforming? You know, deplatforming works. It actually works in our society. We need to take people out who have differing opinions and we need to deplatform them. Huh? Almost sounds like that's censorship. Almost like that's a form of banning. So you notice that. The people who always talk about banning books, oh, they're banning books. How dare you try to ban books are the same people who if you said something on a podcast, they want that podcast gone. So Joe Rogan has Peter McCullough and Robert Malone about vaccine injuries and side effects from almost a year and a half ago now. And the calls for Spotify to drop Joe Rogan because he's putting out vaccine mis and disinformation. And you have Neil Young and you have all these other artists and Nils Lofgren or all of them. They were saying, take my music down. David Crosby wanted his music down. Well, how'd that work out for him? He's dead. But they all wanted their music taken off of Spotify because we don't want to be on the same platform as Joe Rogan that puts us out there. So you're fine with banning Joe Rogan. You're fan with banning speech. You're fan with deplatforming and getting rid of Tucker Carlson, but God forbid we ban books. Have some consistency here. You are not consistent. Unbelievable. So let's talk about the other uh, party, what, what's going on right now, and who's running for president in the Republican Party. Of course, you have Donald Trump announced back in November from Mar-a-Lago that he is running for president again. <laughs> This country is in trouble. We're, we're going to end up in World War III. They're talking nuclear weapons, and we have somebody that doesn't understand what's happening. So that, that's a quick, quick clip I had. But Donald Trump is not running a campaign that uh, has a lot of... Um, the, let, let's just say the magic is gone, I'll say. As somebody who knew what was going on. So I, I'm, I'm give you a little bit of an, uh, a background with me when it comes to the politics and whole, whole Trump era, because I thought it was hilarious in 2015 when uh, I have tweets from 2011, 2012 that said I would vote for someone like Donald Trump. I say, yeah, he's an a-hole, but I will I vote for him. He's a jerk. He's a loudmouth, brash New Yorker, but yeah, he's a business guy. I would vote for him. I'd support him. And so when 2015 came around and he did, they announced it in like mid-March that said there's a chance Donald Trump may run for president. And I said, this is be this will be fun. And at the end of 2015, I remember I was working at a radio station. I was co-hosting a morning show and the host, they were giving their predictions going into 2016. They said, who's going to be the nomination for the left and the right? And I said, it's going to be Hillary and Donald Trump. He said, really? Not Ted Cruz, not uh, Jeb Bush or anybody. And I said, no, I there's something about this Trump movement. I went to a couple of rallies uh, covering it for the fake news media. And Trump was what I noticed that was interesting, as opposed to other Republican um, rallies and conventions that I had been to before. I went to one in 2012 and it was Paul Ryan, who Paul Ryan, by the way, is on the board at Fox News. So there's probably something that had to do with that as well with Tucker Carlson's ouster. Uh, Paul Ryan, Condoleezza Rice, and Rob Portman. And I remember it was one of those God, God-fearing stuff of like, you know, the, the good Lord has blessed me with this. And it just, it was, it was so outdated for that time. It was so boomer conservative, like, eh, things got to change here. 
And uh, by the time Trump comes around a couple of years later, after Romney gets his butt whooped by Obama in 2012, which was a very detrimental election when you talk about political correctness and woke nonsense, that's really what helped usher this in the last 10 years. Um, when Trump came on board and what the impact of him attacking the media and and people are saying, finally, somebody's stepping up for us. Somebody's trying to go out there and do something that's going to help us because otherwise we haven't had any of that for a, for a long time from any candidate. So Trump starts attacking Rosie O'Donnell, Megyn Kelly, uh, the media, attacks John McCain. And all these are, people are like, yeah. Now the media is like, well, he's done. He just attacked John McCain, the war hero. And people on the right were like, mm, brings up a good point. And then they said, well, he's attacking Mitt Romney. Well, Mitt Romney was the last presidential candidate. How dare they? It's like, mm, no, we didn't really like Mitt Romney that much. So when I went to the first rally, which was, I think, in November of 2015, and Trump is there, and I noticed the crowd. They were like tailgating. I smelled pot smoke. People were excited about this. And what he did in 2015, 2016 with Steve Bannon and, and others for uh, it was a it was great for the moment. I thought he got away from that. It got very defensive when he was the president going into 2020. And then you had covid, you had George Floyd, you had all this other all these other factors that were playing into it. 2024, if he was going to run, if he was going to put his hat in the ring, he had to do something that was going back to the old 2016 message. Now, you can't recreate that, but I thought that the magic, I, I've used this example because I'm going to use another New Yorker example here, is I always thought Trump is kind of like Andrew Dice Clay. Now, Dice Clay, this silly example, but Dice Clay was very popular, 1986 all the way to 88 into 1990. He had a great run. And it was a nice run, and then he started getting banned. He started getting – SNL wouldn't put him on. MTV banned him. You had the Nora Dunn situation. Um, you had a lot of protests for his movies, the adventures of Ford Fairlane. And then eventually by the early to mid-'90s, Dice was yesterday's news, that there were other comics that have replaced it uh, and replaced that uh, that feeling. Now, he's still around. He could still be effective. I saw him a couple of years ago. He was fantastic. But it wasn't Andrew Dice Clay Day anymore. And I think if you're looking at it as far as Donald Trump, I think it's just not Trump's day anymore. I think Trump is yesterday's news in a lot of ways. Now, I'm somebody that I, I, I do not get involved in the DeSantis versus Trump wars. I am not somebody who goes on Twitter and talks about who I'm going to vote for, who I would support. I think it's very counterproductive that's happening right now. Now, I understand why there should be a little bit of back and forth, because I think it's it's sparring. It's what you do in a presidential campaign. Uh, even though Ron DeSantis has not declared yet, uh, we don't know if he is going to. It seems like he probably is. He's going on a speech in Japan right now. Uh, I saw him a couple of weeks ago in my fair city of Akron, Ohio. Um, DeSantis is somebody that is on the radar for a lot of people. And I'll get to him here in a second. But as far as the sparring goes, I think it's healthy in some ways, but it's you have to look in terms of you want the best candidate for the job. Who's it going to be? Is it Trump or DeSantis? Now, Trump is favored in most polls right now, except when it comes to going up against Joe Biden. And I think the media, the press and the, the government, they want Trump to be the candidate. They, that's why there's a lot of attacks, not on Trump right now, on DeSantis, because they're more afraid of DeSantis. Why? Let's be honest here. Ron DeSantis in a presidential debate against Joe Biden and, and nearly 82-year-old Joe Biden next year, that will be, I don't know if that'll be appointment television. I don't know if I'll have to watch that live just to see this beat down or if they're going to have to stop the fight very early. That we're expecting a one hour, maybe an hour and a half debate and that this thing is going to, you, you may as well cut to like when a baseball game needs to go into rain delay. You need to have rain delay. You need to have some kind of programming that's going to fill that time because they're like, guys, we, we can't we can't do this. Uh, Joe Biden is so bad right now. Let's see. This debate started at eight o'clock. It's eight eleven. He's already made 12 missteps and he, he he doesn't even know his own name right now. He mentioned Bo Biden died in Iraq, which didn't happen. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, uh, this this got to go. The only reason Joe Biden fared decent in the debates against Trump is 
A lot of people in middle America were turned off by Trump being a braggadocious, loudmouth New Yorker. And no, even if he's saying all the right things, they're like, yeah, but he's still this loudmouth. So if Trump is the nominee against that corpse that I just put out there that I played a few minutes ago, okay, then I'll then I would support him. If it's Ron DeSantis, then I'll support him. I just think right now you have to look in terms of who is capturing the moment right now. And I think Ron DeSantis has a moment. And one of the big things, and I, I talked to somebody named David Chapman, who's an author and he's a Twitter guy, he's a big Trump guy on my podcast about a month ago. And he's a huge Trump guy. Like he does not, he does the Ron DeSimp or Ron DeSanctimonious, that kind of stuff, which I, again is counterproductive. It's stupid. But he said he would support him if that was what he became with, became the candidate. But I've talked about the moment of DeSantis and the moment for DeSantis is now because in 2028, what if he's yesterday's news? What if it's like Chris Christie all over again? Chris Christie was a darling in 2012. And they say, oh, you got to run for president. Oh, no, I, you know, I care about New Jersey. I care about this. And then what happened after that? It was the bridge gate. There was a lot of other scandals. And he just turned into a terrible a terrible candidate by 2016. And it was like, yeah, dude, you you missed your chance. You had your opening and you didn't take it. You let Mitt Romney take it. And I think with Ron DeSantis, this is his moment. And when I spoke about with David Chapman, where he said, well, how is it that the Republican establishment and the Bush family and this and that, they're all behind Ron DeSantis? Well, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to have certain people like that backing you. I don't think it's a terrible thing. In fact, Ted Cruz, his wife got insulted. He was called the Zodiac Killer by Trump. He turned around and he's like, Okay, no, this guy's actually a pretty good president. He's he's done a pretty good job. So things can change over time. I don't know. I, I just I just think a lot of the infighting is really silly. Um, but there's another candidate who declared for for president recently that I thought was fascinating because I think it's the reason why Joe Biden announced right now, as opposed to waiting until the summer, waiting until the fall. Because it was just understood that Joe Biden is going to be the person that is uh, is going to be going to run for president once again. And I think the big one is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I mentioned him a little bit on Monday's podcast that it creates an interesting vacuum for dissidents. Now, will Robert F. Kennedy Jr., be, will RFK be the president, presidential nominee? No, I don't think so. Not on Democrats, not Republicans, maybe Maybe independent, but I don't think he's going to win. I think a lot of it, his voice, that, that voice, that, I, I was a Kennedy. I, I think that's going to turn a lot of people off. It's hard to listen to. He has great things to say. He's an environmentalist. He can be a little bit of a wacko with that, but he's also an anti-vaxxer in, in, in many ways. He's talked about that for nearly 20 years. He's, he has an interesting avenue because he's running as a Democrat. Now, if he runs as a Republican, it's, it's just... He's going to get ignored. But as a Democrat with the Kennedy name and for some of the old disenchanted liberals, like when, when I say liberal, I mean actual liberals, like pro-liberty, like they may be into like universal health care or whatever, but l actual liberals, not these pr radical progressives, not the AOCs of today or the Gen Z influencers, which I'll get to in a couple of minutes. I'm talking about old liberals that are like, yeah, no, man. You know, I just used to smoke pot and everything's fine, man. But I, I don't like what's going on in today's society. So somebody like RFK could pose a threat to Democrats. And I still think he's he's kind of in the Ralph Nader territory of going more Green Party, which I don't think wouldn't, wouldn't be too bad of an idea if he runs. Who does he take more votes from? A Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or Joe Biden? And I don't have an answer to that. And that's what I think is fascinating. Here's Ron Paul, another the last presidential candidate I ever voted for. Ron Paul talking about RFK. I wanted to make a comment about RFK's announcement, you know, yesterday or the day before about running for the presidency. I have mixed feelings, obviously, because of what the Kennedys have gone through. But uh, we have met uh, RFK uh, uh, Jr. and uh, he's been to our conferences and uh, he probably has some views that are different than ours uh, in, in detail, but we certainly get along well with him. He's friendly. He's principled. He's anti-war. 
And, and the other thing that he comes across real strong, and that is he he doesn't like corporatism. You know, he doesn't like this combination. So therefore, pharmaceuticals would be in camp. So I'm uh, very happy that he's doing that. And so we'll keep tabs. And who knows, uh, if he if he wanted to talk with our viewers, I'd be open to having Robert on our program again. Yeah, I mean, that'd, that'd be great. And that's a big thing is about the anti-war stuff. It's not even just the anti-vax or more environmental stuff. What happened to the anti-war leftists? It just almost seemed like that turned into a grift in the post 9-11 days of like 2003 to 2007. When this when Cindy Sheehan would be on every news network and Dennis Kucinich would be out there talking about being anti-war. Now, it seems like the left are the ones wanting us to go to war with Russia. We found out with the with the Jack Teixeira recently that uh, and some of these classified documents that got revealed by going, yeah, there's troops on the ground. Yeah, we have we have people over there and uh, it's, it's not a, it's not a proxy war. It's kind of a hot war that we're having right now. Uh, and that we have troops on the ground over there like, woof. And where are the Democrats? Where are the Democrats in the past year? The Democrat Party used to be, you know, the Republicans are the pro-business, pro-war, pro-money, pro-this. And it's like, the, here's the Democrats. We're for the working man. We're anti-war. We're this. It seems like the opposite has happened, that they're very pro-business and are also very pro-war. What happened to the pro-war or anti-war Democrats? There, there's some that are still out there. And I think that's those are the people who are going in that avenue of RFK Jr., because Joe Biden is a is a warmonger right now. You're not you're not a progressive. You're not a liberal. You can't call yourself a liberal and be pro-war like this. To, there's no reason that the United States should be anywhere near Ukraine right now and, and, and fighting Russia. This is not our war. We shouldn't be doing this. Ron Paul says so. RFK says so. But where's the rest of the left? They're cheering on a war. It's disgusting. But Ron Paul's an older gentleman. He's basically retired at that point. Joe Biden should have retired years ago. So what's it say about our future? Well, we've had a bunch of theater kids recently in AOC, who's essentially a theater kid. She was the first, uh, really, she's a pioneer of the theater kids now getting into politics. Then we've had that uh, Justin Pearson and uh, the part of the two of the Tennessee three, where you had Justin Pearson who was like, hi, everybody. They found a college video of him by like going like, hi, everybody, I'm Justin Pearson. Uh, my, I am running you know, for student council here at this school. And then fast forward a couple of years later after he's expelled and should be called an insurrectionist with the Tennessee Three. And he's doing this whole horrible Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, persona of like, I've been to the mountaintop. I've seen over the, came over the mountaintop. I've seen. Hi. He's doing this. And you're like, what happened to the kid from college that was the like, uh, uh, hi, everybody, please vote for me. And now he's doing this whole cosplaying Martin Luther King stuff. So now you have the theater kids in Gen Z who are taking over. And it's uh, it, it's disturbing. It's truly disturbing. Like you have, of course, uh, I, I've played him a little bit, but his name is Harry Sisson or Sisson. I don't know what it look at. Uh, this is just so cringe. This is just absolutely cringe here. These are these are clearly paid operatives by the Democrat Party into trying to go into infiltrating TikTok and put forth Democrat talking points with these losers. The Republican Party is so full of crap. The Republican governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, just announced that he is expanding the don't say gay bill all the way up to 12th grade. Now, do you remember what the Republican Party's justification was for passing that bill? Yeah, it was to protect young school children. Is a 12th grader in high school a young school child? No, absolutely not. They lie to the American people so they can pass their crazy, extreme, anti-woke agenda. For some reason, Republicans in these states want kids to be ignorant on the LGBTQ plus community. And the suppression of that information is absolutely disgusting. Okay. The Republican yeah, Party. Uh, shut up. Shut your mouth. More theater kids. It, but he's not as bad as Dash. This Dash Dabrowski. Oh, God, is he just... I don't know what his deal is. I'm assuming I, I don't want to speculate, but they should check his computer for something. They should check his computer for things he's possibly done with farm animals. Uh, he's another one of these Gen Z 20 year old influencers who clearly is getting paid by somebody in the Democrat Party to put this stuff. He's a he's a lunatic. 
but not like he's not even an entertain. This isn't entertaining. He's trying to do kind of like a, a a weird mix of a Donald Trump Jr. and a uh, I don't know a meth head. <laughs> Disney has sued Ron DeSantis over his quote relentless campaign to weaponize government power against them. They claim that Ron DeSantis's tactics are now threatening their. Business. By the way, the Republicans, who are the small government party, this is not what small government is. You don't use the government to interfere with a private business because you disagree with their political views. Guys, this is bad for Ron DeSantis. He's already on the rocks. He's already getting crushed in the polls by Donald Trump. And now Mickey Mouse is coming for him. I mean, how cringe is this? Like, and by the way, you look at his the comments on the Twitter and TikTok, and everyone's like, "Dude, this is this is terrible," and it's getting worse. I mean, like, he's doing this thing where he's holding the phone, like Ron DeSantis is trying to do this to what happened to the small government conservatives? Calm down, dude. Seriously, calm down. But this is his shtick. This is his shtick, and the DNC probably looks at this and says. Those are the that's the audience we got to go after right now. And again, here, I'll say this. Uh, I'm actually going to respond to this absolute meth head lunatic is. Ron DeSantis, they say he's getting crushed, crushed in the polls. He's getting crushed. This is really not getting crushed in the polls. What's happening right now. Ron DeSantis hasn't announced that he's going to run for president yet. Also, Donald Trump just got indicted a couple of weeks ago, and there's going to be a little bit of a honeymoon effect for people a little bit more sympathetic towards Trump by going through that by saying, well, that's bull crap. This shouldn't be happening to him. So, yeah, there's going to be a little bit of an effect. It's a little early. By my count, it's April 26, which means in a year and a half from now, we're about a week or so away from the election of 2024. We have plenty of time. A year and a half. It's a long time for somebody to screw up, somebody to say the wrong things. A couple of people say the right thing. We have plenty of time. But boy, these Gen Z influencers. We need better influencers. We need we need better Gen Z. Gen Z, you guys need to step up, man. David Hogg, Dash Dabrowski, Harry Sisson, AOC, Justin Pearson. You, you want... You want to instill hope for the future? You want your the, the adults and the boomers and the Gen Xers to look and go like, wow, see, this is our next generation of politics. That's embarrassing. Is that who you really want to be? Just be some absolute psych, psycho on your TikTok and just not being able to control? I mean, what do you have, Parkinson's? You're holding your phone like, like Ron DeSantis, it couldn't be but Donald Trump. <laughs> And who's watching that? Who's who? What? I mean, I know there's probably a couple because they, it it the algorithm is going to get popped up into their feeds. They're going to look like, huh? Well, this dash seems like he's a pretty smart fella. <sighs> but no, I'm not saying ban TikTok. Not saying ban TikTok because what happens is t TikTok won't be banned. And oh, by the way, here's some other things that are going to be subject to. What, what was it? The Respect Act or something ridiculous? Uh, all right, I'm going to wrap up the podcast here. So what have we learned in today's podcast? We've learned that uh, no matter what, Tucker Carlson is going to go on somewhere else and be very successful. He's going to be successful whether he goes to Newsmax. I, I don't, I almost don't think he's going to go to Newsmax. I think it's, I think he's too big for Newsmax. I don't really watch Newsmax either, but um, I, I think Tucker is bigger than any type of network. That's like a, an alternative non-legacy network right now. That. If he were to, he really should just start his own network and just find people that are of the Tucker Carlson, kind of like what James O'Keefe did with Project Veritas originally. But you notice what's happened with Project Veritas. That's still going, and James O'Keefe is still going. So they're two separate entities, but they're still thriving. They're still doing something. I mean, there was a lot of blowback originally, but Project Veritas is still around. Um. Fox News is not going anywhere. Tucker's not going anywhere. So you could deplatform him. You could fire him out Fox News. He may have a slightly smaller audience, but it's going to be an even more dedicated audience where there are people out there with a 
pocket of cash by saying, I'll go wherever you want. If you need me to pay a couple extra bucks a month for you, I'll watch you. So he's not going anywhere. You know, he's also not going anywhere as Joe Biden. Um, Democrats are kind of tied to him right now. They have no choice because who's on your bench? Your bench is Kamala Harris, which when they say like, well, who would you rather have Joe Biden or Kamala Harris? Eh, I'd rather have Kamala Harris, actually, because there's enough negative things that people have said about her and feel about her. They may not say it publicly, but they're not really big Kamala Harris fans. And they're kind of tied to her because she's she's black or she's not sort of black. She's a person of color. She's a woman. So she's very high in the intersectional hierarchy. So they can't really look in terms of going down the Gavin Newsom route, which I think is going to be the uh, a possible future president, to much, much to my chagrin. But I think Gavin Newsom is going to be around for a little bit. But outside of that, who's really on the bench? It's Kamala Harris and Gavin Newsom. Uh, it's not Pete Buttigieg. I think his days are done. I think after mishandling basically every single thing in his administration in transportation, he's not not looked high upon. And there's also segments of the Democrat Party are also not really into the gay stuff. They may not, again, may not say it publicly, but let's just let's just leave it at that. Um, and then, of course, we have Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump, who who's going to be. I don't know. There's plenty of time, plenty of time to deal with that. So uh, today's podcast is more so things are changing. And this is the this is around the time, April of 2023, which is a uh, an off year election year where a lot of stuff actually ends up happening that will pay dividends in the actual election year, whether it's a midterm or the presidential election year. So a lot of the stuff that's going that's going on right now is laying groundwork for going into next year. So it's going to be fascinating. Like you notice when you have an election year, you have all that you have the October surprise and you have stuff like what happened last year with the Dobbs decision and that getting a lot of uh, single Democrat women voting for for Democrats and why there wasn't a red wave last year. So you have a lot of those elements, but the groundwork starts getting laid in the off-year elections. And I think that's starting to happen. You're starting to see things being put into place. And then by the time we hit 2024, you're going to like, oh, how did we get here? Oh, maybe we should have followed along some of the stuff that happened back in March and April of 2020, 2023. All right, everybody. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to go to patreon.com and get more podcasts and early access to guests, go to there. It's patreon.com slash Tony Mazur. T-O-N-Y-M-A-Z-U-R. And I'm also on Locals if you want more podcasts. Otherwise, I'll be back with you next week, next Wednesday, with a podcast for you here on these free platforms. Again, my name is Tony Mazur. Thank you for checking out this week's Check Your Brain podcast. And uh, have yourselves a good one.